Are you ready for a wild and hilarious ride through world of crime? Then look no further because our podcast, Two Boxes of Wine and a Crime, is here. Join me, Tasha, and me, Trisha, two ex-cons who love wine, coke, and crime, as we unravel cold case murder cases drunk off our ass. Each episode, we invite you to grab a box of wine, as we use Google, humor, and of course, cocaine, to crack the toughest unsolved crimes drunk off our ass. <laughs> From small town homicides to 9-11, we have it all figured out. Or at least we think we do. <laughs> Listen as the mystery deepens, the laughter gets louder, and of course, cocaine, and the wine starts flowing drunk off our ass in our entertaining, illegal, an unforgettable podcast. So join me, Tasha, and me, Trisha, on a coke-fueled journey to serve justice with two boxes of wine and a crime. Available now on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe and tune in every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for new episodes. Drunk off our ass. <laughs> Episode 50, Will. I know, it's it's amazing. I, I, you know, usually people... They don't get to 50 dates with me. That's what happens. Usually they're, they're bolted by four. This is our golden podcast anniversary. So get me something gold. Like a BAFTA. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the best bit. I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. You are stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Don't call me stupid. Come on, everybody. We're going to do the twist, and it goes like this. Hello, and welcome to The Best Bits. This is... No. Hello, welcome to The Best Bits, a movie podcast where we... I am fucking floating on paracetamol. Yeah. So it's going to be a very slick recording. We're going to do the twist and it goes like this. Hello and welcome to The Best Bits, a movie podcast where we pick our favorite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes. This is Kevin and of course I'm joined once again by my co-host, a writer of three films plus a Christmas special and I forgot to say that I've also written one of the films and three episodes of TV and this is as good as it's going to get. Welcome, Will. Hello, Poxy Kevin, or Kevin, who's got the pox. How are you? Did you just call me Poxy? Well, I got it backwards, as usual. Uh, I just said you've got a pox. You're you're uh, you're you're pox. You you you've got the pox, Kevin. That's what I'm trying to say. I do. You care? I I feel I feel run down, Will. I've been put through the ringer by life. After 50 episodes of the podcast, I'm absolutely exhausted, and we're here talking about plot twists. And I've done so much research for this topic. <laughs> This is going to be assassins. Fight scenes, single take scenes, sex scenes, Santa Claus scenes. Why should I know these oh my God, you could just minutes. list half my episodes. Slow mo, slow mo. That's the one. Forty-eight, 48 minutes, minutes of research. research. Wow. I guess the thing that we need to say up front is spoilers galore. Spoilers heavy. Oh God, yeah. Basically, this episode has to be a complete spoiler episode, and we have to. If we're discussing plot twists, we're going to have to spoil every bloody film we're talking about. This episode is going to be full of twists. And one of these twists that I'm going to throw at you is I want you to perform the scenes that you have chosen. Oh, God. It will save me editing the episode. Oh, God. Welcome to the best bits. (laughs) Films are fun. Oh, God, Kevin. Here we go. Plot twists. Will, 
Yeah. What do you think of plot twists? What do I think of plot twists? Yeah, just, you know, keep talking. They're cover for me. Well, I'm covering for your plot twists. <laughs> Bless you. Ugh. I would say it's when the plot starts twisting around on itself and things that you thought were going one way all of a sudden reveal themselves to have been going in another direction all along. The rug is pulled out from underneath you. There's two types of twists. Go on. There's the twist that comes in the third act and it's like the revelatory twist. Yeah. Those, for me personally, are like a one and done type twist. They can usually sort of be a capper on the story, but they change everything that's come before. They're like the sixth sense. Mm-hmm. It completely changes the, the context of everything that you've seen up to that point. And I think it's an excellent version of that type of twist. And then another excellent version of a different type of twist is the one that I'm just going to call the flip. And it's the one that comes in the second act and it takes the story off in a totally different direction to what you were expecting. And the rest of the story is not dependent on a big reveal because the story has sprung off in a new direction. And an example of that would be like in T2, when you realize that Arnie is the good guy in this sequel. It's like, that's a twist to the story. It's flipped the script. It's flipped the table. It's flipped your shit. And now the story is off in a new direction. So you can have a third act twist and a second act twist. And another excellent second act twist is the one that I wrote in a film called Twist. No, a film called Grabbers. (laughs) You think it's just a mystery with two cops trying to figure out what's going on on the island. Something's amiss. People are disappearing. There's whales washing up. And then at the mid-act climax or the midpoint or the point of no return, this flip of the story comes into effect. And then the story becomes something totally different, which is everybody's got to get drunk to survive. So that's not a twist where you hold it off until the end and you give this big reveal Mm -hmm. like the killer is. It's a twist that's built into the narrative and it changes the trajectory of the story. So those are two those are the two types of twists that I could identify. Oh, okay. So that second one is a kind of, is a more, I suppose, n- not an overt twist. It's not the, you know, the the classical twist as you were first describing, which was like the third act thing of, like, dun, 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 oh my God. You know, everything you thought was one way, black is white, white is black. We're all upside down. No, but it can be crucial to the story. It's like Marion Crane getting off in Psycho. That's what I was thinking of immediately. Yeah, that was that twist. To give Marvel their credit, there was one really good plot twist that happened in a recent Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man Homecoming. Where it gets revealed that the villain of the movie is the father of the girl that Peter is dating. And suddenly... Oh, I love that. Everything, the stakes get raised. The, the two plot strands dovetail together and the predicament gets much worse for the protagonist. And that's one of those flip the script type twists. Comes midway through the story and it just ups the ante. Are you Spider-Man? No. Or another fantastic one is like Gone Girl. Where's my wife? When you realize halfway through that she is not gone, that girl. Over here, cunt. She's actually Gaslight Girl. Yes. yes. Uh, what about Squeam? That's a third act twist. That's where you reveal that there are two killers. Oh, I was thinking of the the twist, the kind of the pre-twist with the Drew Barrymore character, where we all went into the film expecting Drew Barrymore to be the the last girl standing and she's the first girl gone. 
does that count as a twist? I'm just wondering. I was only trying to stretch. I was only trying to stretch the your second type there. Yeah. So I guess if something warrants being considered a spoiler, then maybe it's a twist. Because if you told people, oh, you want to go see Scream because Drew Barrymore gets killed in the first 10 minutes, they'd go to you, I'll box the head off. You've just spoiled the movie for me. Yeah. Like, no, nah, it's only in the first 10 minutes, so it's not a twist. Yeah. So maybe you can have first act twists as well. Quite possibly, where it's just like, oh, you were expecting that? No. Because yeah, as you said, that's Marion Crane one in Psycho. That's halfway through the film. And you're like all of a sudden going, what are we going to do for the rest How of the How does stuff? it go, that scene? Just can you perform it for me? Because I don't want to edit in <laughs> the on. clip. Let me just take off my clothes. Hold on. There we go. Right. Can you see my back? Okay. Right. Here's the thing that they do in movies a lot, right? Yeah. People shower with their eyes closed. Do you ever get into the shower and, and wash yourself with your eyes shut? Oh, yeah. I hate seeing myself naked. Do you? I'm joking. <laughs> of course I don't. Can I give you a formative one for me? That, for me, was a plot twist. I don't know. Can you? You'll have oh, to perform I, it. Am I okay? <laughs> I, love the, I love these parameters Kevin just throws at me. If I'm going to do an episode that's about plot twists, I am going to throw so many curveballs at you. Are you going to perform yours? Coming. Are you going to perform yours? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, if I perform mine, you have to perform I yours. See that. <laughs> right. I don't remember that scene from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Come here to me. So I want to take you back to, to 1988, 1987, I think it was. Oh, before my time. Uh, good times. Did we call them the good times? <laughs> Pre-Kevin era, post-Kevin era. Um, and we had... It was my birthday, I believe, right? I'm, I This is how I remember it. And coincidentally, on the day of my birthday... Was anybody there? No, just my family. Just immediate family. Classic Irish birthdays. Yeah. It was like after dinner, Willem, come in here. I made a cake today. And you and <coughs> fair play, Peggy would have made the cake. You go in and you, you cut the cake. Every, all technology we, in our household. Hand cranked. My father stole. He was... You used to put fifty p into the back of the telly, and you'd have the telly for an hour. Yeah, I'd love to have seen one of those. I've never seen one of those. We had one, did you? Yeah, you can just put in the the fifty p. That was that's expensive. When we first moved in to uh, my mom, we first moved into our first place by ourselves. She had to rent a telly, and you could rent them from the electronic shop. Yeah, and they were coin operated. She put fifty pence into the back of the the TV, and it would turn on for an hour until we could buy a telly. Angela's Ashes, Will. Angela's Ashes, that's my, that story is based on my life. That's extortion. 50p for an hour is extortion. Maybe it was two hours. I don't know. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, well, on my birthday, right, we obviously couldn't afford a, a new video recorder. But on my birthday, my uncle, Jor, God rest him, my mother's brother, he was a great man for his gadgets. Always a mighty man for his gadgets. And whenever he was getting a new gadget, we would get the old the, the, the one that was going to go into the bin or be sold off and fair play to him like we got a like his old a, shoes and stuff his old shoes yeah yeah his old rubber pants that was that, was, that wasn't fun <laughs> you've put eight of them together you'll have a new set of drapes oh yeah but we got we got on my eighth birthday we I always remember my father driving up to Grinna in Cork it was like a 45 minute drive but this excitement was palpable because he was going George got in a new video recorder and so we were getting his old one. We get Jar's hand-me-down video recorder. We come home and, and it's the day of my birthday, my eighth birthday. 
we're all fierce excited. We want to go in and get videotapes. So the father said, come on, lads, all into the car and head into the town to the to the video library. That's what it was called, the video library. We went in and we all go behind could the curtain. out one tape each. No, there was no curtain. All the tapes we were black. Get one. Go behind the curtain. That's where they get, that's where you have the classic mass, all the collection of mass tapes. Because <laughs> he was like, oh, confirmation, 84. Oh my God, the bishop himself was there. So all I wanted to see was Star Wars, right? So, but I'd never seen a Star Wars film to this point. I pr- I have told this story somewhere else. I don't know where. Um, so the lads go around picking up Bruce Lee tapes or whatever the hell, Police Academy and all this sort of stuff. And I'm there scouring the shelves for Star Wars. The boys had picked up all their stuff and I just couldn't make a decision. And my father was like, well, what do you want? And I was like, I'm looking for Star Wars. So he asked the lady behind the counter and I can, I can visualize everything about this moment. She came around the front and she was a scandal like, beside me. And she went, there it is. There's Star Wars there. And she picked up a tape, this kind of uh, light blue covered box, which, which, which featured Darth Vader. But the words on it weren't Star Wars. It was like Empire something, something, something. And I just went, but that doesn't look like Star Wars. And she says, no, it is Star Wars. It is really Star Wars. And I was convinced anybody to take the tape home. And what was it? That's bait. We got home. The lads went and watched all their films. I wasn't allowed to watch my tape. And that evening... They, they went away to a match, right? So I was left alone at home with Peggy, right? So Peggy said to me, she says, uh, did you watch your film? Because she was watching, at that stage, watching like, whatever. WrestleMania. Probably. <laughs> so she said, I said, no, I haven't seen my film yet. She says, oh, I'll put it on there. So I went on and I put on Empire Strikes Back. Having not seen Star Wars, having not seen Return of the Jedi or anything. So Empire Strikes Back goes on. And I was just like, I was just sucked into it. And then... The moment came at the end where Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader in, are in the Cloud City in Besman, and Luke has been uh, has this incredible encounter with Darth Vader, and he's uh, been fought back along the gangplank. The wind is just blowing his hair. He gets his hand lopped off. And Darth Vader is reaching across the void, appealing to him to come and join the dark side. And he says, "Luke." Right? This is what he says. Luke, listen to me like, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. And Luke says, You bollocks, he told me you killed him. And Darth Vader says, No, Luke. He says, I am your father. And Luke goes, No! But that's a misquote, isn't it? That's not what he says. Kevin, you've asked me to improvise. I'm doing my best. I don't have scripts. No, do you know why? Because I had a whole joke like in Empire Strikes Back, you know, people often get that line mixed up where it's like, Luke, I am your father when the actual line is beam me up, Scotty. (laughs) Which is also a misquote. (laughs) Hey. I'm cooking with gas today, Will. He's on fire. He's on fire. But my point being, right, my point, I actually, this is this, all this tomfoolery. There is a point to it. That was the first plot twist that I actually remember, right? And it was a formative one for me because when the film finished, Peggy turned to me and she was, she was knitting or doing whatever she was. You know, Peggy was probably knitting and baking a cake at the same time. And she said to me, Did you like it? Did you like it? And I just went, No, I didn't like it. Why? Because my preconceived notions of the structure of the world had been flipped on its head. It wasn't just... That's why it's a flip and not a twist. It's a twist. It's a plot twist, right? It's something which flips the script. But let me continue. So I'm coining the term that it's a flip, not a twist. Okay, it's a flip, right? <laughs> but but for me, up to it's that a point... It's mid-act climax. I had... This happens at the end of the film. Uh, for me, it happened. Second for film. Me, 
up to this, up to this point, <coughs> I had been playing. My only interaction with Star Wars was that I had been playing with the figures, and so I had been coming up to stories in my own head of what was actually happening uh, throughout the films through my own games. And all of a sudden, Luke, who was just absolutely on the light side, on the good side, and Darth Vader, who was absolutely on the bad side and the dark side, all of a sudden, it turns out that Luke is a bad guy, or at least part bad guy. And I didn't understand it. And it gnawed at me. <laughs> God bless you. It gnawed away at me. And I just, all of a sudden, the world went a bit grayer. So that brain of mine that I had where everything was like, was binary, was like, you know, white and black. I think it was formative. Kevin, I am interrupting. I'm so sorry. Usually it's you who's doing all the interrupting. And now I'm interrupting. The reason I'm interrupting is because I'm just after remembering a vital piece of information I wanted to say on the podcast and it's only after the fact that I remember what I wanted to actually say and it was in relation to the origin of where that plot twist of the Vader saying I am your father to Luke where that twist came from it came very very late in the development process of Empire Strikes Back Lee Brackett had been hired to write a script based on Luke's treatment then she passed away she was a legend of an old school Hollywood screenwriter I will Sorry to interrupt. Sorry, not sorry. Did you know that John Carpenter named the character in Halloween Sheriff Lee Brackett after Lee Brackett because he was such a fan of her work with Howard Hawks, who was an idol of his? Yeah, interesting, isn't it? As you were. Um, Lawrence Kasdan was brought on then to collaborate with Lucas on the, the following drafts. They were stuck with trying to come up with a third act twist for Empire. And so they brought in Willard Hayek and Gloria Katz, who were a husband and wife screenwriting team, went on to write Temple of Doom, Howard the Duck, and helped out in A New Hope and done loads of stuff. And they had a dinner just discussing the story and possible solutions. And Willard Hayek casually threw out for a laugh. He said, hey, you could make Vader Luke's dad. How about that? They all had a laugh. But guess what? It stuck. So the plot twist of I Am Your Father is a retcon of A New Hope. So there you go. So I just think that was a formative one for me. So that's that. That's up there for me. Definitely. For me, it was like when I found out in Halloween 2 that Micah was Laurie's brother. Dun, dun, dun. That's a terrible twist, actually. That's a retcon twist. Yeah. Did, you, did that one piss you off or did you like go? How did you react to that? Because I haven't seen Halloween 2. Nothing pissed me off in movies until I got to about, I don't know, when I got to see like Batman Forever or something. And I remember thinking, that wasn't a good movie. But up until then, all movies were amazing to me. Yeah, they were all good movies, yeah. It's not like, even when I take the kids to the cinema, when they come out of the cinema, I go, I, I asked them, like, what was that like? Great. <laughs> and I was like, going, well, okay, kids said it was great, so it must have been great. If I ever ask my dad what he thinks of a film, his response would be, yes, okay. <laughs> and that either means it's not very good, yeah, it's okay, or it's brilliant. <laughs> It's all it's all about the tone. Yeah. Go on. Where do you want to take us to next, Kevin? When we come up to the midpoint, the point of no return on the podcast, I'm gonna throw a twist into the uh this episode. Oh Christ. I remember in nineteen ninety-nine, a great year of movies, when the Sixth Sense was a monster hit. Mm-hmm. And everybody knew that there was a twist in the movie, but nobody was divulging what it was it sort of built up this buzz of like, what is this twist? What's this twist about? I went into it knowing that there was a twist, which is usually can be quite detrimental because you end up sort of like second guessing everything. It's like, 
You're not engaging in the characters. You're not engaging in the story. You're constantly trying to to do the the equations of like, well, yeah. where, where where's the twist in this? Yeah, you're looking for it. It was such an effective twist that so many films straight after that started putting twists into their stories. The ending, that changed everything. Basically, it was a feeling like you can't lose, you know? Can't lose. And so you suddenly, everything I wrote, was stronger than it had ever been. And I was writing, you know, as if I was Cole and as if I was Malcolm Crow and all these things were starting to build because I was just so excited about the idea. I felt like I had an ace in the hole, you know, this this ending. I read it in one night. I read it, you know, very quickly and uh, agreed to do it very quickly. I was as surprised by the ending in the script, I think, as the audience was in the theater. Completely uh, unprepared for that ending. I've often described like a really good twist as like a magic reveal. It's not like three card Monty where it's a scam, a con job rather than a magic trick. With the sixth sense, everything that you'd seen and you'd taken at face value, you'd actually misread. And then the reveal showed you that Bruce Willis never interacted with anybody else in the movie except Haley Joel Osment. That was the only one. And Haley Joel Osment looks directly at him and says, they don't know they're dead. They're walking around like regular people. And I remember there was even special features at the time where they were saying that this is main character of the movie telling the lead of the movie the twist of the story. It's like people are going to spot it a mile away. It's like, you're just telling us what's going on. Cole tells everything about Malcolm. To the audience. They see dead people. They see them all the time. They don't know they're dead. And these shots, they're shots on Malcolm. Now, if you're really paying attention, you're going, oh, he's talking about him. And that's a clue that I actually thought we had overdone it. I actually thought we're giving too much away here. The audience is immediately going to get it because we're on Malcolm. And, and Cole is saying they don't know they're dead. Well, everybody, nobody gets it. <laughs> so um, there are clues all the way along where you see that you know, when he's sitting there in the living room with his mom, you think they were talking, but they weren't talking. He's just sitting there and she's waiting for him to come home. When you look at it, you'll see that it all still tracks and all makes sense and adds up to the ending. Wanted to go, he's dead and here's what you missed. Boom, 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 boom. Now forget it. Let's get back to the story. In the editing, one of the elements that we added was a series of uh, images from the film uh, as he is discovering, as he's realizing it, it's flashing back for the audience as well. It was something I mentioned to Andy. I said, what do you think about going back and showing them the moments that they missed right now? Um, because that is the fun of it, but I didn't want them to stop thinking about that. For, for a, I want them to enjoy it and go, oh my God, and then stop because we still have a story to finish. It completely pulled the wool over my eyes. And I remember just sitting there thinking like, wow, that is such a great fucking twist and it didn't it, it didn't feel like a one and done type twist i just mm-hmm. wanted to go back and rewatch the movie again to see how elegantly it was put together the thing about the sixth sense is that it works as a ghost story right it works with that information you can go back and watch that film still be terrified by the horror element still be terrified by the ghost story and the journey that this kid is going on and what he's experiencing I actually have a greater experience watching the film again because now your your perspective has shifted and you're seeing it from the point of view of of the kid's point of view whereas primarily you were seeing it from Bruce Willis's point of view where he's trying to unravel this mystery the protagonist shifts so you only have one viewing of that film 
whereas Bruce Willis is a surrogate for the audience. And for every other viewing after that, Haley Joel Osment's character is the surrogate for the audience and you're in his shoes. And that version of the story works better than the Bruce Willis story because it, it works in its own right. And it's just, it was just so elegantly done. Beautiful, beautiful film. And you know what's funny? In a movie that was sold on its twist and the twist is what everybody remembers, the best scene in that movie is not anything to do with that. It's not even got Bruce Willis in it. It's when Haley Joel Osment says to Tony Collette that her mother loves her. Mm-hmm. So M. Night Shyamalan, right? He sort of built his entire career on twists and some of them backfired, I feel, on him. And other times, they were quite successful. But did you ever see The Visit? That's the one I haven't seen of his. I have not seen The Visit. There's might a twi- be a good one to add. All right, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch The Visit. Yeah, go on. Do. We think there's someone outside the door. What the hell was that? I think Nana's not feeling well. Grandmother is fine. It's like somebody talking in their sleep. What's he doing? They're weird during the day. I was just cleaning it. And even weirder at night? Mom, there's something wrong with Nana and Papa. They're just old. Bear with it for a couple of days. (laughs) (laughs) Nana, are you okay? They're hiding something. It's just the end of your trip. I'm sad. It's all over. (laughs) Gonna get you. Papa! Let's make it a perfect night. What is that? Mom, you need to come right now. The visit is two kids go and stay at their grandparents and they've never stayed there before and they're sort of just trying to make do as the border of their mind. Would you mind getting inside the oven to clean it? Stop! Now stop! Catherine Hahn yeah. is the mum. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to sneeze again. The twist is whether I can get through this episode without sneezing. Catherine Hahn is the mom and um, it's great. There's a great little twist in it. But then there's other ones that he's done. Unbreakable had a really good twist. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the twist in the village. That was where I felt like that was a twist that jumped the shark almost. And that's an example of one where you go back and watch the film, knowing this information and all of a and sudden- And it fucks the film. The whole, all the, all the holes become apparent. It's like, hang on a second. What about planes in the sky? Hang on a second. What about this? And what about that? Yeah. But I, on my first viewing of The Visit, I want to say this about The Visit. You didn't see The Visit. Sorry, my first viewing of The Village. Plot twist. Of The of the Village. I was on the edge of my seat. I was proper, properly scared by these creatures that were in the woods that were was uh, terrorizing them and stuff like that. I, was, I did not know what the twist was. So I enjoyed my first um, viewing until the twist happened. I went... What? <laughs> what? Okay. I have such a wonderful relationship with the, the audiences and I'm honored to have it. It's a very intense one and I take it super seriously. And those movies, uh, you know, today, you know, the village is always talked about in such gracious terms and, and people get married to the quotes from that movie. I've seen tattoos all, all over the place from different quotes from that movie. And if I had to say in, in the broadest of terms, I change genres on you. 
to a quieter genre, to a more subtle genre. I actually think it's the cadence of the genres. And maybe it's how your relationship is to me. So if you came and you saw a movie about faith, as signs the movie before, you weren't coming in going, the number one thing is I want to get scared out of my seat. So it's what your expectations are. I remember The Others had a great twist as well, where I didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah, that was that was very good. And it was like, oh God, that was really haunting. And yeah, I love that film. There's loads of other ones, but listen, Will, this is a podcast about twists. Mm. When we come up to the midpoint, the point of no return on the podcast, I'm going to throw a twist in. There's a lot of ones that aren't very good. Okay. And I said there's two types of twists. There's the twist that comes in the third act, and there's the twist that comes in the mid-act. The point of no return, where it flips the script. Okay. We always do our best bits. But no, I want us to pick our worst scene. The The worst worst plot plot twist. twist. (laughs) Curveball. Welcome to the bits. I'm Kevin the rest of it and I'm joined once again by my co-host who's one again and the bathers goes to films are shit Forget about the best bits because <gasps> right, okay. really, truly, what can we say? It's either going to be like Planet of the Apes Those fucking monkeys or Seven What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Don't look in the box Which is a fantastic one where the twist happens at the start of the third act and it just keeps going Detective! You know, people know all this but I want us to talk about the worst twists the ones that really just ruined the film for us Oh shit, now you've put me on the spot because I've done no research for the worst ones. Curveball! One that comes to mind straight away was a film that I saw. It came out in the early 2000s starring John Cusack. And I remember seeing it in Cork in the capital. Identity. Identity. There was a storm. It was an accident. We had an accident. And we got stuck and we couldn't get out. We couldn't get out because of the storm. Flooded. It's a dead end. You're the manager? Officer Rose. Transporting a prisoner here. But the roads are all flooded and I could use a room. What happened to the motel? People started dying. What's going on? Go in your room and lock your door. And their bodies, they disappeared. Nobody in there. That's not possible. I saw what happened. We all saw what happened. This doesn't make any sense. Maybe there's some connection between all of us. Like what? My birthday next week. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Reminded me of Adaptation, which came out the same year. And in adaptation, right, they talk about... I'm going to be a screenwriter! Charlie Kaufman's imaginary brother, or no, actual brother in the film, but not real-life brother. He's coming up with a script called The The Threes, which is basically the same plot as Identity. And I remember sitting in the cinema watching Identity going, 
They're all in his own head. We're in his head. Yeah. We're in his the whole time. And the film is- Watching the movie that he would have been yeah. writing. And the whole film has taken itself so seriously. Like, we've got this fucking twist that's coming. It's coming. And and it's just like, yeah, I knew this. I guessed this an hour and a half ago. It's kind of embarrassing. And I was enjoying that film up until that point. You guessed it. Okay, I didn't oh, guess it. Like, like early on, act one, I guessed it. How? Oh, there was nothing to telegraph it. I just remember watching that. Oh, thinking, They've, God, they're yeah. really running out of road here. Like they're really getting into a, a tight spot and I don't know how they're going to write their way out of this. And then it was like slow pull back. It's all inside his head. Oh, well, fuck you anyway. That's another, it was all a dream. There's two that people really dislike. And one of them I quite mm-hmm. like and one of them I was really disappointed by. And I want to get your take. And it's David Fincher's The Game. What do you get for the man who has everything? Happy birthday, sir. Thank you, Maggie. I don't like her. So it brings you to town, Conrad. Everything all right? October 12th. Nikki's birthday. This is for you. Consumer Recreation Services. Call that number. Why? They make your life fun. What are you selling? It's a game. Make your life fun. I didn't like that one because there was there were too many implausible elements in that story for it all to work out. Yeah, I was so into the story, and then when the reveal happened, I was like, "Well, this is bullshit. This is real Mm -hmm. bullshit." And I just feel like you've just been stringing me along, though. And the other one, what's the other one? The Mist. Oh, the, you don't like that one? Is that, okay, no, no, so. no. I said one of them I like and the other one I don't like. I don't like the game. I like the ending to The Mist. So do I. It's not really a twist, but it's more of a really black-hearted, dark, scorpion tail stinger of an ending. So, so okay, spoil it. Spoil it for everyone. Spoil the ending of The Mist. Oh my God, guys, we've run out of petrol. The car's not going to go anywhere. There's... <laughs> That sort of like Jennifer Coolidge, you know. Oh my gosh, the mist is everywhere. Oh my gosh, we got the gun. There's five bullets. There's four of us in a car. Oh my gosh. And then they all just eat a bullet. Papa, are we going to be okay? Kills the kid. The two yeah. old people in the back, they kill themselves. And then he goes to kill himself and the gun goes, oh no, oh, out of bullets. And it gets out of the car and suddenly the army come along. Oh my gosh! They're clearing all the mist and they're saved. Hoovers, they're sucking up the mist. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm saved! Oh, oh, this is so, so wonderful. I'm saved! Yee haw! Oh, look at that! More bullets! I liked it. I thought that was a fucking great way to end that movie. Because it's all about faith. And his faith ran out. I want to go back and rewatch that film. Haven't seen it since uh, whenever it came out in the late 2000s. So the black and white version is really good. Yeah. It helps the effects sort of like you're, it helps them along. You're talking about plot twists that you don't like. I'm going to try and perform one for you right now and see if you can guess what film I'm talking about. Right. Okay. So I'm going, I'm, I'm just improvising now right now and I don't know. I barely remember the scene. Okay, but this is it, right? What film am I talking about? Okay, now that I have you, mm, it's so nice to have you here. Mm, are you comfortable? Oh, 
Well, I have some information that you might find very, very interesting. Passion of the Christ. Fuck! No, one of your favorites. Oh, it's fucking Bond. Spectre. There you go. Yeah. That twist in Spectre where they retconned Blofield to be a half-brother, step-brother to, to Daniel Craig's Bond was groan-inducing. It just was... But you like that movie. No, I don't like that movie. Spectre. No, I don't like I think Spectre is quite poor. Oh, wait. Spectre's not the last one. The last one was No, no Time, Time to, to Die. Yeah. Oh, that's the one you like. Yeah, I like No Time to Die. Spectre was just... Oh. But then Blofield comes back in Spectre and there's more machinations and twists. I orchestrated this whole thing all along. Everything. Ram it up your arse, Blofeld. <laughs> Would you consider that to be a plot twist or it's more like a reveal? It's more like a flip. What do you call them? Do you know what? When I was doing my intensive research for this episode, I was looking at all the films with plot twists and I was like, I've seen that. 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 And I can't remember the stories to any of them because the twists sucked. Yeah. And so I sort of just jettisoned the film. Mm-hmm. After watching it. Like even <sighs> even as we've been talking, right? Have you seen Serenity? Which one? Around here. They like to say everybody knows everything. But what if the truth was nobody knows anything? I got a feeling today is the day. To deliver me from temptation. Are you going to take him out? You're not right in your mind. My wife says you're being a little difficult. There's something wrong. Are you gonna tell me what this is all about? There have been a few films, right, where it's the version of it was all a dream, but it's not a dream. It's it's all a simulation. Sometimes we do bad things for good reasons. Mm-hmm. It was all a video game. It was all a construct. Just recently, it was in Don't Worry, Darling. Oh, right. Another one was Serenity, the film with Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. One only a couple of years ago. Yeah, and it's revealed that the kid is keeping the parents alive in sort of a VR video game. Oh. And they had, they had rampant sex scenes and that as well, where it's just, you think back and it's like... Oh. Hitchcock used to say there's the... And I'm going to paraphrase Hitchcock now, but it's something like... That's right. They can't all be winners. It's like he's in the room with us, folks. You've got to go to the refrigerator and you've got to be able to remember the movie and not have a moment where you think, hang on a second, that doesn't make any sense. Having a clue what he said. Having a clue. Go on. He basically said that you don't want the audience walking out of the cinema and going, wait a second and thinking back and going but there's a massive plot hole there mm-hmm. and serenity is like that where it's like so the kids been keeping them alive but they were also fucking their brains out in the movie and they, it was like amazing <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing with plot twists they absolutely they have to be airtight if they're not airtight you're fucked. The whole thing falls down. It's the house of cards. Tight as a duck's arse. But you bring up you bring up Hitch, right? You bring up Hitchcock. 
like detective films are all have to be based on plot twists or plot reveals. Like you know, a really brilliant one recently, and I know we're talking about shit ones. Yeah, but a really brilliant one recently was Knives Out because they revealed who the killer. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm basically dying on Mike on these episodes lately. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Dying on Mike. Yeah, dying on Mike. Great. It's great. In Knives Out, they reveal who the killer is, and then the story just keeps going. And no, they don't reveal who the killer is. They, re- yeah, they do. They reveal who the killer is. I don't know. I can't remember that movie. Very good though. There was a lot of misdirects. So the whole thing was yeah, like but it was very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I got one. For, I got one for you, right? There was a plot twist on, on a film, another film from my childhood, which was kept away from me. It was so enticing, right? It was one of those things. Where I, a neighbor of mine was Donald Murphy, right? And Donald was one of these lads. He was only about, yeah, Donald was 15 years older than us, but Donald would call over and he, he was a good crack. And if he had a good film, he'd drop it over to you, you could watch it and all this sort of stuff. There was one film he had that he, he had, and he says, he was, he was willing to show my father it, but he didn't want us to watch it. And I was going, Oh, come on, Donald, like we can watch it. Like, you know, and he was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And for the longest time, he kind of held back on sharing his copy with us until eventually I, I rented it myself from the video library and saw it. And I just went, oh, that's why he didn't want us to see this. <laughs> what was it? And it was the, the Lion King. The Crying Game. The Crying Game. Twist, I guess. It is a twist. It is a twist because from the point of view of Stephen Ray's character, he's going down the road thinking he's falling in love with this performer. And it's not until he's he's in bed and he's finally, you know, intimate with her that he realizes, oh, what I thought you were one way you're actually, the, you know, and it was pretty uh, shocking. Just extra bits to play with. There's extra bits to play with. Yeah. But the thing with the, with the crying game is that it actually ends up being quite progressive because he ends up falling in love with her. See, the thing is, stories are built upon twists in order to keep you engaged. It's like, what happens next? What happens next? There's constant reveals. There's constant sort of twists and turns and maybe more of these things are turns in the story and not twists in the conventional sense mm. where you'd say is there a twist to it but yeah if you get a twist wrong you just sink the whole film it just all becomes pointless at that stage yeah we've gone back onto ones that we kind of like a little bit right so we've, we've I know because listen just because talking about things we don't like it, as you said there's no fun to it's it it's hard to pull it out you were talking about how twists kind of have to be magic tricks Right, and a film. Did I say that? God, that's quite poetic. Earlier on, and there was a film that I know we've brought up in the podcast at some sometime in the past. But Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's known for its plot twist. The fact that it's got eighteen endings. <laughs> when I made my selection, I went on what were the plot twists that had an impact on me cinematically. Do you know what I mean? On me as a viewer, growing up, and you know. Tyler Durden, Fight Club. No hair pulling. You know what? That didn't have a big impact on me. I went, oh, that's pretty cool. But it didn't have a big impact on me. One that did have a big impact on me was the the Prestige. I've never seen that. I wanted to see it. Hold on. Hold on. You've not seen the Prestige? Yes, this is everybody's reaction to to me saying, I've not seen the Prestige. It's like, Christ almighty, he's not seen the Prestige. Right. Cancel the podcast. Films that Kevin needs to see. Right, that's going on my list. Right. I'm not going to spoil it, no. But the twist was spoiled for me. 
so soon after that film that I just never felt like there was a point to watching it. What's after the tw- that. What's the twist that was spoiled for you? So you just you tell me what there are twins in it and clones. Okay, right. It's twist is spoiled. Yeah, <laughs> film spoiled. Exactly. <laughs> but why it works? Spoiler alert. Why it works and it works on repeat viewing is because. Is it your favorite Nolan movie? That's a good question. It might be. It actually might be. See, it seems to be a lot of my friends' favorite Nolan yeah. movie. I've rewatched it when since we, we've been doing the podcast. And on my rewatch, it wasn't just a, oh, I was impressed with this in the cinema. It was like, oh, this holds up. It's got a great pace to it. Um, but it's about sacrifice. It's about how far these, these entertainers or artists are willing to go and how much they're willing to sacrifice to... I know, but I don't want to watch thing. a film that has me up on screen <laughs> it's it run it moves at a my clip. life story it's 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 a it's a it's a blooming entertaining film quite impactful the twists are impactful because it's not just one when you have one big twist you go oh crikey that's the big twist but there's kind of two parallel twists going on and that's what's fun about this is there's one big misdirect and you get that reveal you go oh that was misdirect and then on the other side there's another flipper rooney and when he's trying to chase where Hugh Jackson's character is trying to unravel what uh, Christian Bale has been doing the entire time and he's taken down his own dark path and he's been doing an incredibly dark sacrifice himself and that's, that reveal is so impactful and how I, I'll reenact that scene like this I'll go best twist ever I think it's just incredible I really I think it's great storytelling Cabin in the Woods. Did you like the twist to that? Oh, that was a playful one. That was fun. I enjoyed that one because that wasn't that was an early. That's an early twist, isn't it? Am I right in saying it's an early enough twist? I don't know what's right or wrong. I can't remember. It's been wide quite a while since I've seen that film. I'm so spaced out. I just remember it was like um, Monty Python. The Bigfoot comes down at the end, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't so it? Effective. Doesn't there the Bigfoot come down at the end like Monty Python? Oh, in Monty Python, yeah. There's foot. There's feet all over the place. Yeah. Comes down halfway well, through. A hand comes out of the ground or something like that. Uh, definitely a foot comes down. I remember getting the chills watching Saw, the first Saw movie. Right. And at the very, very end, when the body that's been lying dead in the middle of the, the abattoir or the, I don't know, it looks like the toilets and coppers. <laughs> right. <laughs> gets up, just picks himself up yeah. and walks out the room. And I just went like, <laughs> that was so good. I really didn't enjoy that film at all. It was too intense. What for do him. you like? Well, everything with you is like what you don't like. You just want to talk about your worst plot twists and I don't know. Hey, will films I give you, are fun. Will though. I give you my favorite plot twist? Right? No, give me the one that is the worst plot twist. Uh this episode. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, you know what? I think we should just wrap it up there. No, 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 no I'm joking. The- I'm going to say my least favorite twist in a movie is probably Identity because I was so into that movie and the twist bothered me. I have an aversion to it was all a dream. I have the same reaction to Shutter Island. Yeah. We're inside the reality of an unreliable narrator and it's all bollocks. And it's very difficult to pull off, if you, especially if you're trying to be, as a storyteller, as if you're trying to be evasive and saying, oh, no, this is real. And But in that situation, you need to lean into it early on and take us someplace interesting. If you are going into 
into someone's head. Go there early, let the audience know you're going there and do something clever with it. There was one I saw with Steve Zahn. He was backpacking. There was four of them. They were off on a... Oh, yes. Yes, yes. And the guy who made... Was, the guy who made um, the, the Pitch Black, David Tui, I think. It's his David Tui, yeah. So there was... I can't remember the name of it. No, it's not The Ruins. It might be the like... The Perfect Getaway. Perfect Getaway, yeah. That's one of those ones where the twist opens up more plot holes than it ties everything together. I've got one that I don't like, one that I really didn't like at the time and I still don't like. And it's and it actually ties into a classic one, right? Planet of the Apes. And one of the worst you ones... You don't like that? One of the worst ones is Planet of the Apes. Oh, the Mark Wahlberg one where Lincoln turns out to be Ape Lincoln? <laughs> what? I just realised that. It's not Abe Lincoln, it's, it's Ape, Ape Lincoln. Lincoln. <laughs> Ape Lincoln. Genius. Tim Burton, you mad like, bastard. What? It's like, no, we're not going to do the same thing. We're going to do the same thing, but different, right? Okay. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? It's just so, so, it feels like it's completely gone through the um, the plot machine and come out, come out arse backwards. That's what it feels like. But hey, I'm, I'm, I know it's been fun talking about awful plot twists, but there is one that I really like. And I think is a, is a, was a wonderful plot twist in recent years that doesn't often get brought up. It's from 2014. I absolutely love the twist in the Lego movie. Oh my G-O-S-H. I love this song. Everything is awesome. On February 7th, only one word describes the 3D event of the year. Awesome! Yay! <gasps> is that Superman? Batman? Awesome! 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 Spaceship! Awesome! Everything is awesome! <gasps> This is my jam. The Lego Movie, rated PG. Everything, Everything is awesome. Films are fun. I think it's fantastic. It's all about imagination, and Will Ferrell is trying to open up to allow his kid to play with his Lego. I adored it. I adore it because what we've been discussing already is like there's two viewings of a film, right? There's your very first time watching the film, where you're getting the information for the very first time. You're going along with the mystery, or you're going along with the the story as it's unfolding in front of you. And then the second version is every viewing you have after the plot has been revealed and for me the lego movie is one of those films that is richer having the the twist revealed to you for the main course of the film it is a hyperactive kinetic colorful fun almost too fast-paced animated comedy beautifully animated starring chris pratt who plays a worker called emmett who is just a worker bee, but somehow accidentally falls down a a hole and he is stuck to this piece of device, the missing piece that will unlock the universe, basically. And he finds portals into other universes and a huge, crazy plot ensues. But the reveal happens at the end where Emmett's character has to sacrifice himself and basically jumps into a void with with the special key. And the amazing twist is when he falls and hits the ground, He's just a Lego figure on the ground in a basement in not an animated world, but a real life world. And it turns out the entire story we've been watching and witnessing has been the play of a 10 year old boy or 12 year old boy called Finn. And in the movie, they've been referencing the man upstairs. And suddenly we hear the footsteps of the man upstairs coming down the stairs. And it turns out it's Finn's dad played by Will Ferrell. Actually, it's a highly sophisticated interlocking brick system. But we bought it at the toy store. We did, but the way I'm using it makes it an adult thing. The box for this one said ages 8 to 14. That's a suggestion. They have to put that on there. 
You can't expect me to be able to resist playing with all this. Look, now you have your stuff over near the Christmas decorations. All those bricks, you can build anything you want. Finn, we're gonna play a little game. It's called, let's put everything back the way you found it. But dad, you don't understand. So I can make things the way they're supposed to be. Permanently. More craggles? This rebellion ends right now. And what we have is a real-world representation of the conflict that's been going on in the animated movie. And it is so enriching because it's it's presenting the theme of the movie in a real-world context, which is basically about this dad who was lost the childhood creativity and his ability to play in the way that kids play which is with a sense of flow with a sense of creative abandon uh, and he instead has gotten rigid he has gotten so rigid he glues his lego figures together and takes to play takes to fun out of playtime and i think there's such clever commentary going on with this as well it's even speaking to the point of like toxic discourse around blockbuster movies where grown-up men are coveting their childhood movies like, you know, you can't do Star Wars this way. You can't do this that way. Gatekeeping. Yeah, that sort of shit. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Oh, those are my friends! No, stop it! Ye were a hearty crew, but it be... it be over. No! (gasps) The piece of resistance! I can still save them! Let's get this gunk off this construction worker. He's not just a construction worker, Dad. He's the hero. Nope, he's not. He is a ordinary, regular, generic construction worker, and I need to put him back where he belongs. And the only way we, we can move forward is by that man-child, the man upstairs, changing his perspective and being able to kind of play again or learn what play is and learn how to be creative. I think it's beautiful. And I have to credit Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the directors who also co-wrote, get all the credit for that movie. But that twist is a twist that was created by the original writers, Dan and Kevin Hagelman. And they're the guys who came up with that twist. And I think it is the thing that made that film great. I have been approached and I have pitched on subsequent Lego movies And I have spent many, many hours trying to think about how you can best that movie. And it's almost impossible because I think it's just such a perfect idea that trying to do anything after the fact is an impossible task because such a wonderful and complete idea, that first one. Believe. I know that sounds like a cat poster, but it's true. Are fun. Everything is awesome. Yeah. You brought us back on theme. Yeah, there we are. I feel like there were so many better twists I could have thought about, but I didn't because I knew I was going to go in a different direction. <laughs> Plot twist. I've screwed up. Would the chestburster scene count as a plot twist? No. Interesting. If it means we can have a nice ending to this episode, then yes. yes. Because it comes early on. It comes halfway through the movie. It comes halfway through the film. And 50 episodes in, we're halfway through our run if we get to 100 episodes. Mm. And 
it's kind of like a mid-act climax <gasps> flip of a twist. Are you going to say that from now on the show is going to be the worst bits? No, <gasps> definitely not. I'm glad, I'm glad. But this is definitely going to be the worst episode. It's not. Wait till you hear it. <laughs> Hang on. I, I'm going to perform that Okay, scene go on. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. No, no, don't touch it. Close my head. He's actually giving you physical performance. Fucking monkey. Rub it up your ass. Where's my wife? I'm going to be a screenwriter. That's a wonderful. Films are shit. My whole thing is when it goes wrong, just lean into it. Will. Kevin. Episode 50. To think we've done 50 episodes of this thing. We have. But we're not going to spin the wheel. (gasps) Why not? Because we know what the next episode is. There's three things we got to tell people. Okay, go on. Yes, yes, we do. The first thing is, because we did two episodes of Star Trek, this should have been episode 49, not episode 50, because Mm. we asked our Patreon backers a few weeks back to pick what our 50th episode was going to be. We ended up splitting... Star Trek that became 47 48 Magical Realism became 49 this became 50 mm-hmm. so the episode that we were going to for 50 as chosen by the Patreon backers was going to be Showdowns yes best showdown so that's going to become episode 51 yes but having gotten to 50 episodes we've always said on the podcast there's so many times on the episodes like with this episode where I said I hadn't seen The Prestige and we make these promises I'm going to watch that and then we never do Yeah. so we're going to watch some of those films and we're going to see if they would have fit in to the episodes that we did so we're going to do blind spot episodes for a few weeks they're sort of like what we do on the Patreon where we have this very loose silly irreverent chat show where we talk about recent releases a loose fun mini bits vibe show which is, which is it might be more like this episode that I've just listened to but with me feeling less under the weather oh okay right okay just me too messant too messant oh my god <laughs> cult back <laughs> oh my god also do you want to tell them I think this would be a good time to say we are expecting a baby a little barbog we've been trying for ages me and Kevin we're still debating who's going to go through labour so, uh, <laughs> well, I can tell you right now, I'm croning. I had a <laughs> load of brand flakes. Yeah. No, my wife, Karen, is expecting our third child imminently. So when this episode comes out, the baby might be, is pretty much on the way or might be here. So, might um, be. so blame the baby. Yeah, so blame the baby. So we need a couple of weeks just to get over the sleepless nights. That's also, listen. Fox has him. I'm yeah. too sick to laugh. I was- <laughs> I was going to say, also, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> okay. Also, listeners, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Also, listeners, <laughs> write in with your names, baby. <laughs> and we'll be picking. You're <laughs> <laughs> picking the baby's name. We're picking the best name. <laughs> We'll be doing a poll on Discord. That's what we're doing. Yeah, if we get the listeners to name the baby. Shit face. 
Hot cock and the cunt. Hot cock and the cunt. Two years on the podcast. It's unbelievable to me because I feel like we've been doing this for fucking 12 years. <laughs> but only <laughs> two years, yeah. Two years to the day of when we started, when we released our trailer, and then the first episode came out March 3rd. Yeah. This sort of hybrid thing that we're going to be doing, this very loose, sort of mini bits, sort of second rate show, fill in the blind spots, is going to be coming out on our two year anniversary. And also, as you probably noticed by now, we're dropping some of the commentaries that we've recorded for our subscribers on Patreon. We'd love if you would consider coming over to Patreon and helping us out. It's just me and Will that do the podcast. We don't have sponsors. We don't have a podcast company helping us. Purely getting by on the help of the Patreon backers. And also, if you can't do that, please give us a five-star rating on your podcast app because it's the only way that the podcast is going to grow. And we'd love to just pull in more people. Yeah. All you have to do is, if you're using Apple Podcasts or whatever, to know how to do it on Spotify, actually, is uh, a five-star. Just hit the five-star five star rating star on Spotify. And if you say, great podcast, love the lads, then that bumps us up the charts and uh, gives us more exposure. The algorithm does its magic, and that's how we get seen. It does. It has nothing to do with listeners. It has to do with engagement. Yeah. And if we don't have any engagement, we just get consigned to the bin. And we... We have a wonderful Patreon community. That's the one thing I will say. What has sprung out of this doing this podcast and one of my favorite things is that Patreon community that's on Discord. Some of them are just on the Patreon page, but the Discord community is hopping. We have made friends. We're doing live Genuine friends. Stuff. Yeah, proper, proper friends. There's a lovely gang. And it's kind of like what, when Twitter is now is dead. We've got, we've got Discord. Discord's a yeah. great place to go in and just chat, hang out and share your ideas. And I love it. I think it's great. It sounds like we're just begging you to like us. Please like us. Please, please like us. But 50 episodes in, we want to keep doing it. We just need to know that you guys are there with us. Well, yeah, and if you're not, goodbye. <laughs> it's okay. Thanks for listening, either, regardless. We're still making it. We're, we'll, we'll still make them. That's what we're going to do. We'll be back very, very soon for something fun. Good luck. The Best Bits Podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a Patreon member where you'll receive bonus shows where we talk about recent releases and what we're up to. And you'll receive access to our Discord chat room where we hang out with our listeners. Search The Best Bits Podcast on Patreon or click on the link in the show notes. Oh, that's so wonderful. I'm saved.